The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Take a couple of deep breaths, everyone. Listen to the sound outside. Put your hand right over your chest, right over your heart, and feel it. Feel the sound of training camp coming. PTOs are being handed out. Players are reporting to their, uh, their the cities they play in. Rosters are starting to shape up. There's talk of the Calder. There's talk of some of the other awards. All the coaching spots are filled. Hockey is nearly back. It's not Labor Day yet. It's not Labor Day yet. I get camps, excited after Captain's Labor Day. Captain's practices will be here soon. <laughs> yes. Uh, just an interesting aside to that. Um, in order to have a captain's practice, wouldn't one be required to have a captain? Uh, technically, yes. Okay. Uh, details, details. I get it. But, you know, it, is it... it, it is this the is this the when Brad calls everybody up and says, "Hey guys, we need to get together and do this," or is Hampus Lynn? I, 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 well, Charlie, I mean, Charlie the, the mayor of Charlestown may actually do it, so who knows? Again, don't have a problem with that either, as long as it's not the 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 newlywed <sighs> who got upstaged at his own wedding by a retiree and his wingman. Yeah, that's pretty bad when the video going viral has nothing to do with you and it's your wedding. Oops. But it, I, but I digress. Yes, I am excited that hockey is around the corner. Uh, we're looking at, what, two and a half, three weeks before we get official training camps. Uh, Mid-September, third week of September. So, uh Yes, I am getting excited. I shouldn't be a Debbie Downer, but trying to keep myself in check. I don't want to get the excitement level too high. Got to, as the kids in the vernacular, you got to keep it real or whatever they say. I don't even know what they say. I'm, I'm old. Sounding older by the minute. Yeah, I am, and I am. I'll so, send you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you a cane. I appreciate that. Thank you. Maybe a walker. Probably should send me a old to young conversion dictionary or something too. So, well, there's there's a couple of those on the internet, but I don't know if you're familiar enough to find them. Urban dictionaries. I think I know how to Google. <laughs> so now that we've spent five minutes berating me, but it's well deserved. I mean, well, we're not recording really, two hours late because of you, so. Ouch. Let's dive on in. Uh, we've got a new highest paid player in the league. Um, there's a retirement to talk about. Uh, there's one of those PTOs to talk about. Streaming deals, the four-letter network for sale, uh, international initiatives, potential trades, just 
tossed out halfway through a uh, through a local columnist um, Sunday ramble. Uh, where do we want to begin? Oh, let's go with your favorite player in the league and how he's going to make more money than Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl is not making more money than Connor McDavid and is not my favorite player. You know, it's not really on Dreisaitl that I was talking about, though, is it? <laughs> it's that guy up in Toronto who seems to think that he's he seems to think that he's better than Connor McDavid. I mean, I'm sure he went to his agent and said, look, I'm better than Connor. I should make more than Connor. And then the agent pulled out a slew of photos of Kyle Dubas. Oh, no, wait, he's not there anymore. Nope, Kyle is not in town. Kyle's in Pittsburgh, so a slew of photos of the new GM. And then they went into the meeting, and he said, you're going to be paying my guy more than that guy in Edmonton. And And Brad Trevling said, okay, we can do that. And Brad, who's been in Calgary for a long time and probably not – not as wise to the big city wiles of, of these agents. Yes, the whole two months and 27 days as of right now, a very long time. So he, you know, he agreed in kind. And now Austin Matthews is the highest paid player in the NHL on an average annual value basis, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think the contract itself is number one. I mean, it's the AAV that, that that's the... Oh, yeah. Him. Well, it's only a four-year deal, right? Um, which obviously will lock him into UFA status. Um, but yes, it's a 13 point... Well, no, the new contract uh, starts next season because uh, um, Matthews would have been a UFA at the end of this contract. Um, they've, uh, managed to keep control of them for four years. There is no movement clause attached to it. Um, cap hit and AAV are 13 and a quarter total, uh, total comp year one is 16, seven year two, 15, two, uh, 11 and change, uh, the last year, uh, the third year, and then, uh, 10 and change just over 10 million, um, in the fourth year, um, that's okay. Whether you believe Austin Matthews is the best player in the league or not at percentage of cap hit at 15.87%, excuse me, that's more than 20%, almost, uh, he's, he's just under 16% of your cap. 16% 16% on one guy. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that I'm guessing that they're that Toronto or and or Brad are are betting on the significant increase that everybody seems to think is coming in the salary cap. So, well, that's one thing. Um, so I don't know that. Uh, that he lasts two years as the as the top paid player in the league. 
um, because someone will push for a higher salary and be due by the end of the third year of his contract. Someone. I don't know who it's going to be. Um, I honestly, I'm not sure it matters. Actually, you know, if he makes it into the league this year, it could well be Connor Bedard. Actually, I'm sitting here talking about, I'm sitting here talking about Connor McDavid, and it's actually Nathan McKinnon who's number one at the moment. Yeah, uh, and Nathan McKinnon has actually won a cup, and neither of these two guys has. Exactly. Um, but in terms of, I think that this was the perfect storm for Austin Matthews. Um, everyone expects the cup, the cap to go up. Yes. Despite the fact that they bowed out uh, in the second round, um, he was a point per game in the playoffs, over a point per game in the regular season again. I mean, he's been a point per game or higher uh, since his second year in the league. Um, With a new GM coming in, and this was negotiated in the middle of the week. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being the GM who basically fumbles and can't keep arguably their best player Um, in their first month, in their first two months? You're never getting anything done again as a GM. Why? Where's Mitch Marner going? I did say arguably. If Austin Matthews is not the best player, he's certainly in the top three. Okay, I'll give you top three, but uh, uh, Mitch Marner. I don't disagree. I mean, there's literally no one on that defense that you can say is a better player. (laughs) Wait, they have defense? Honestly, if you combine the best aspects of all three goaltenders, you're still not getting a better player. Um, you can make a case that Matthew Nyes will be a better player in two or three years. And I would certainly love to see that developmental curve. But as a new GM, particularly having come in from a franchise that basically plateaued at the first round team Mm -hmm. to the biggest market in the league. Yeah. From the perspective of keeping the fans engaged and if not confident in you willing to go along for the ride, can't, can't, can't fail to lock up a top player who's only 25 in your in your first 90 days on the job. I understand he I understand he had to do it. And again, the whole pressure thing, the agent it, 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 oh. I don't even know, I don't know who his agent is, but obviously played it well, pressed when it need, pressed where it needed pressing. And mm. and and the and the deal's done. He's locked up and that's good for Toronto. I just uh, I'm scratching my head because You've still got to pay, uh, again, oh, wait, Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner, whose deal doesn't come up till the end of next season when the cap will have gone up. 
Um, John Tavares will be 34 by that time. I, I, yes, I don't know that John's going to be around, which might free up money. Because what are you doing with Nylander? And that's Nylander, whose deal is up at the end of this season, to me is a bigger concern short term than Marner or Tavares. None of their defense really counts as a concern. None of their goaltenders count as a concern. Um, well, I mean, who is there? I'm not trying to change tactic. I'm just, I was just asking a, a rhetorical question because it doesn't need an answer. There is no answer. Who is their best defenseman? Is it Giordano at 39? Probably. Hey. I mean, I guess it depends on how you evaluate it. You could make an argument that it's Klingberg. You could make an argument that it's Brody. No, you But can't. that's the problem. You can make an argument for four guys. Um, Jay Brody, really? I, look, <laughs> you're, not, you're not going to get me to sit here and defend the collection of persons – uh, on their defensive roster listed as defense <laughs> I because quite frankly I, I don't see anyone who's a top pairing defenseman and mm-hmm. nope based on age and performance to date I, I'd be hard pressed to say that anyone on the team is except for maybe Klingberg is as high as a number three as high as a number three, everyone else is, to my money, a number four defenseman or lower. Even Giordano? I mean, Giordano he is, is defensively fairly solid. He is, again, 39, though, and I'm sure he's lost a step. I'm not trying to be mean. He's but 39, and he will turn 40 on October 3rd. And they're spending 70.1% of their cap is spent on their forwards. Uh, Which is probably a league high. They are currently 13 and a quarter million dollars over the cap. Yeah. And still have four contract spots. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, they're going to... There are $10 million in in bodies who are eligible for LTR, uh, LTIR. Oh, wait. Their best defenseman is on LTIR. That's the problem. Uh, Muzzin? Yeah. Even, the, even there, though, if he comes back, you're going to have to move someone. Yep. Maybe more than one someone. Because this math ain't mathing. No. I, like I said, I understand that Trilliving had, I mean, you come to a franchise like this, things are expected to get done. He did what he had to do. I don't know. Has he helped the team from a talent standpoint? Yes. Has he helped the team in other ways? From a structural uh, standpoint? No. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, this is a team that literally has to win games 6-5, 5-4, yes. 7-6, because they're not going to win games one nothing. They're just not. Samson like, might steal one here and there. Uh, 
do I hate? I don't hate the signing. I, I think that I think that Matthews and his agent played this exactly right as businessmen. Oh yeah, um, without a doubt. And if the cap goes up four million, five million. I don't even think it becomes an impediment because it'll go from being a 16% of cap to maybe 13, 14, where he is now. Like he's at 13, nine. They've made it out of the first round. Finally. Um, If he's. And I, I want to say that I think Matthews and Marner have learned how to play in the playoffs. Like we saw the same maturation from David. We saw the same uh, maturation a couple of years ago from McKinnon out in Colorado, learning to play in the NHL playoffs and do it well is a big deal. Yeah. And I think that when you look at how this team is built today. Their defense is still sh- mm, shady at best. But think of these three names. If they play to their potential in their way, you're automatically, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to call it four names. You're okay. automatically going to be tougher to play against and sensibly tougher to play against. Bertuzzi, Domi, Yarncroc, and Reeves. With those four guys, you can theoretically have one of them on the ice at all at all times who is willing to hit, willing to be hit, pretty uh, pretty responsible with the puck. Um, that's that's a big thing. Because, well, I don't think that any of Marner's Matthews or Tavares shrink away from contact the way that oh, Rick Nash did um, or the way that early career Malkin did. Uh, they're not as comfortable with it, even as a guy, even as say a guy like Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci, who you'd see David Krejci get <clears throat> more than mildly peeved and lay out a big check here and there uh, towards the middle of his career. Patrice Bergeron was throwing checks on the last shift of his on the last shift of his career. Uh, a guy like Brad Marchand is not going to be intimidated by anybody. Um, so I think those four guys on that roster, uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Sheldon Keefe does what these guys come playoff time. Um, I don't expect Domi or Bertuzzi or Reeves or Yarncroc to be getting first line time in, you know, October and December. Okay. But I think that, I think that when we hit uh, the playoffs, you might actually see Bertuzzi rolled out with, um, with Matthews and Marner or, Tavares out there with Nylander and Yarncroc. Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, performance that he had this past, even though it was only one round, 
the performance that he put on with the Bruins. I'm sure Bertuzzi has solidified himself. I do have one final question before we back away from this. Did Kyle Dubas apprentice under Peter Chiarelli? <laughs> You're only saying that because literally there's like seven or eight players signed by Dubas with no movements and no trade clauses on that's that team. That's just the forwards. There's another four in the defensive core. So there's 12 out of out of the 20 players, two of which are goaltenders. Out of the 20 players that you would field on a nightly basis, um, 12, which would be 60 percent, have no movement or some form of no movement, no trade clause. Yeah. Um, so, it's so Chiarelli, what? He wrote a book. Uh, Dubas and he are best buddies. I, uh, this is wow. I'm telling you. I saw all these and I'm looking at it and I'm going, that can't be right. Yeah, it can be right. Holy cow. Everybody's got to. I mean, how does Dylan Gambrell not have. Oh, wait. He's only making 775000 um, how does he not have a no movement clause? Seriously, this is it's scary. Wow, that's a lot. Big of, machine in the uh, outside of the GM office was out of them that day. That's a lot of we can't trade anybody. <sighs> that's a lot of we can't trade anybody. You are in no way wrong. Um, Let's uh, let's take a trip down to Boston for a couple of minutes. Okay, I'm good with that. So this morning, um, there's a story on on the Boston Globe from uh, KPD. Um, Yes, I'm making my annual uh, annual use of a KPD column. Um, Alex Chason has signed a PTO with the Boston Bruins. Uh, 32 years old, six foot four, 208 pounds, has played on six or so different teams. Um, and probably the biggest right wing in the Bruins system at the moment. Um, in the system is a sort of quirky way to qualify a a guy on a PTO who has never put the jersey on, but um, certainly bigger than Pasternak, bigger than DeBrusque. Um, I don't know. I mean, at this point, he probably, if Chason comes in, He's only really, really competing with the prospect pool, which we'll get to a little bit later. Okay. And I'm not sure who for that third line right wing spot. I mean, it's going to be Pasternak and DeBrusque as one and two right wings, whichever order they end up being used in. Um, 
And that's going to depend on whether Montgomery wants to have a power, one power line or two power lines. Um, and then AJ Greer will probably get the, uh, the fourth line right wing. So theoretically you could see, um, Pasternak, Marchand and, Zaka as your number one line. You could see Coyle, DeBrusque, and Van Riemsdyk, maybe, as your number two line. That's a scary thought to Van Riemsdyk on the second line. I mean, your third line is looking like um, geeky with Frederick and Lucic or maybe Frederick and chase on. I mean, we don't know what we don't, uh, we don't know what Jesper Broquist is going to do. He could show up and be a superstar. Maybe he could show up and be useful. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm hoping for, I'm hoping the line starts at useful. Um, I, there's more unknowns than knowns to this Boston Bruins forward group this year. Uh, and without a clear-cut number one center, that's it's the first time that's happened in a decade and a half at this point. I mean, really, since since Patrice Bergeron's first major concussion. Yeah. Um, Clearly, we, don't, we literally have no idea what the lines are going to look like this year. We can probably put together a first line. We can probably put together a fourth line. But the six, the six players in between that, yeah, no idea. That's like cake batter. You just kind of put it in a bowl and blend it all up. I, yeah. I honestly don't know what else to do because it, Charlie Coyle better as a, he was better as a third line center. Uh, and that's the other thing is Charlie Coyle has played mostly center here. Yes. And he's been good as a three C he's been challenged as a two C and not good as a one C. Um, and there's the question of without knowing that Bergeron and or Krejci is coming back. Can Zaka actually be a number one or number two center? Because last year, based on his NHL career, is a total and complete outlier for for him. For who? For Z- Pavel Zaka. Oh, okay. I mean, his previous career high games played was 70. He played all 82 last year. His previous career high in goals was 17. He had 21 last year. Um, His previous career high in assists was 24. He had 36 last year. His previous career high in plus minus, you have to go back to his rookie year. 
in which he was a plus four in one game. If you're if you're going to ignore that, his previous high in 69 games was a minus three in his third year or first full year. Last year, he was a plus 26. I mean, did Zaka have a really good year here last year? Absolutely. You can't take it away from him. I'm not trying to. But the people in love with him as your 2C and saying that he's going to repeat that number without a Taylor Hall in the system to pull um, to pull attention away, potentially without playing, uh, without, you know, without Bergeron, without uh, Cre- uh, without Krejci, potentially, at least in theory, not playing with um, one of Bert, one of Marchand or Pasternak, much less both. I, I mean, I like Alex Chason, but he, he, just to circle back to the theoretical topic. Yeah. Um, I think that he can contribute here as probably a three C. It's going to come down to it's going to come down to you know his chemistry with his line mates, um, but the whole Bruins forward core and what it looks like, aside from Brad Marchand being your best uh, left wing, and Pasternak probably being your best right wing. Well, Chason is not going to play center. He's not going to play center. That's going to be the first problem. Is you're not fixing. The problem. You're not fixing the biggest need, which we knew. Because Charlie but, Coyle, career number, 48% face-off win percentage. Pavel Zaka, uh, 46% career win face, face-off win percentage. Uh, I haven't looked up the rest of the centers, but I'm not seeing a pattern of, we have a guy that we can rely consistently that is going to win face-offs for us. And that's, I mean, this is going to be, this goes back to the question I asked uh, a little over a week ago, and we didn't answer on the show. With both retirements, Bergeron and Krejci, is it time to blow this team up? And the reason I ask that question is because to the zero surprise of any of us who pay attention to prospect rankings and prospect pools, the Boston Bruins are ranked 32nd out of 32 teams uh, in terms of prospect pool depth. Who's ranking? Um, this is from uh, this is the Athletic. Um, I know I know who should be our number one center. Who? You're not gonna like it. The rest of the world won't like it. But if you want a number one center that can win faceoffs at least fifty percent of the time, your number one center today would be Morgan Geeky, who has a career fifty one point one percent faceoff wins. If he can go out there and consistently win and skate with with Marchand or Pasternak, I'm all for it. 
I mean, seriously, I, I, I'm joking, obviously. But, and, I'm not. Like, no, I'm not either. About if, getting the job done. If he can't do it, if he can't do it, I, I'd put him there in a heartbeat. But what I'm saying is that our numbers I've looked at so far, our best prospect for winning a faceoff is a guy who just barely scrapes over winning half the time. 51.1, not a huge jump from half, from the halfway point. That's not reliable. I mean, Bergeron, 58, I think, I think his career was 58%. Which is a broken number. Let's, let's just say what it is. It's a broken Didn't number. Didn't he have 60% last season, though? It was freaking ridiculous. And then look at his face-off wins in the defensive zone. That's all. You know. It is. It's it. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. And I'm all for bringing in and trying out players. We got to we got to do something. But I I mean, looking at the guys who are still free agents. Center al dente. Center by al dente. Are the Bruins going to go after? I mean, Jonathan Taze is taking the year off. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um. If he's taking the year off at his current age after having had a year off due to medical issues a year ago, I don't have a high expectation that he's going to be returning I know that sounds terrible. Jonathan Tay's retiring, but I, I, I mean, I, are the Bruins going to go sign Paul Stasny? Oh goodness! Nolan Patrick? Nolan Patrick? They don't need another migraines uh, migraine situation. Shane Pinto. The thought had occurred to me, but I don't know what his face-off win percentage is. Um, I can I can look that up. But. How about Morgan Frost? You know, decent player. I like Morgan Frost. Again, don't know. Um, Shane Pinto, forty nine point nine, and yeah, he's not a he. He may be listed as a centerman, but he's taken. Ooh, how did, about Derek Stepan? He's been oh, wait, so I'm inspiring sorry. lately. He did. He did take. I'm sorry. He did take 800 ish, 860 ish faceoffs this year. His he won 52 percent of them. My apologies, Shane. I misread the the little boxes there. I, I there. First of all, anybody out there in in Bruins, whatever they want to call it. Uh, world, nation, the league, whatever. Uh, there is not another Bergeron out there waiting to um, suddenly step in and, and win 60% face-offs. No, I'm no. sorry. But the problem is, is that we don't need, or the Bruins don't need one center who can win more than half their face-offs. Oh, wait, then that Krejci guy retired. They need at least two. Ah. But one would be a help. One would be a good place to start, yeah. And 
going going back to the prospect pool, they're not wrong in their assessment of the Bruins' prospects. Like, we go to camp. We're excited by camp. We love camp. I love camp. Chris loves camp. My puppy sees me come home from camp, and I'm bouncing all over the place for me. That said, can you name more than three prospects, skater or goaltender, to have played less than five NHL games yet, who you genuinely expect to see play 100 games in the NHL or more? Uh, Lysel. Okay, that's one. Maybe Matthew Poitras. That's that's two. Uh, I hold out hopes for Brett Harrison. Uh, uh, if Beecher can win faceoffs, there's going to be a place for him somewhere in the NHL, whether it's here or somewhere else. Somebody will give him ice time. Arizona. Uh, I don't know. Does prospects, if they're on, if they're in Providence, are they considered prospects? If they're under 26, call them a prospect. Brendan Busey. Goaltender. Actually, it's defense where it gets a little I mean, we've got a few, we, we did see a few defensemen at camp that looked good. I, I just, I mean, the only here in honestly, Boston, I think I, the only defenseman I'm, I mean, Mason, Mason Lowry, and maybe Ryan Mast, maybe Ryan Mast was like skating. He, he looked like he was going through the motions at development camp. I don't know if it's because he's been there. More I than think he also, well, didn't he also just sign his uh, entry? Did not no Ryan? Yeah, he's uh, on. It looks like he just signed it this year. No, if he signed his entry level, he'd be listed with the with the defense boys, and he's not. He's still listed. He's still listed down as non roster. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, it does say entry level. Interesting. Yeah. Waivers exempt. Oh, yeah, no, it does. Say, it, it, apparently he did. I missed it. Okay. There yeah, he go. signed July 18th. Um, I did indeed miss it. So, okay, so there's maybe five. Maybe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying it to try and prove you wrong or, or what. I, I think there's, I think there's more here than the talking heads and the pundits are willing to allow, but at the same point in time, I get their point. This is not a wow me prospect pool. Like I have no expectations that when you look at their prospect pool and you're taking them out to Buffalo this year um, for that tournament that they do every fall, that the Bruins are going to sweep the tournament because they're not. 
The other problem uh, is, I mean, the other problem that backs that up is that based on deals that they've made and everything else, they're not going to be improving that prospect pool anytime soon, considering they don't draft until the fourth round this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. They already may or may not. In 25. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not building that pool except with serious depth players. And again, so can you that you'll never see them in the NHL arena. Can you find can you find a diamond down in round four? Probably. Is it likely? No. Hey. I'm not saying that they're not. I did. I mean. Omar, uh, not Omar, uh, Halak came out of round, what, nine, seven, eight, somewhere down there. And yeah, Brian Elliott round. I mean, they're goaltenders and they take a little longer and whatnot, but it's still. And this is, as you pointed to a long term problem for the Bruins, who as of right now, they have only four of their 12 projected forwards are players that they drafted. Marchand, Pasternak, DeBrusque, and Frederick. Nothing's really homegrown anymore. Marchand's 35. Pasternak's 27. Those two were, I believe, Chiarelli picks. Well, Marchand was a Chiarelli pick. Yes. Pasternak might have been um, Sweeney. Um, You look at their defense— Yes, McAvoy. Their defense are a little bit better there, but still, only three of them were tra- were draftees, or four of them were draftees. Zaboral, who years in is still not a solid, it still hasn't stuck to the NHL um, as a regular player. So, really, three of your top six: McAvoy, Carlo, and Grizzlick. And Grizzlick is already twenty nine years old. I mean, no, Pasta was a Chiarelli pick. 2014, that was the last Chiarelli draft. And then 2015, famously, was the first Sweeney draft. And we so all you're know saying that we all know what happened there. That was a hell of a jumping off point there, Don. So you're saying that in the entire time that he has been in the corner office, uh-huh. Sweeney has I, Sweeney has drafted one NHL star. One. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jake DeBrusque, borderline star. 2015, first draft for Mr. Sweeney's. Um, McAvoy and DeBrusque as your best two picks when there are so many good players who were taken around them. <laughs> yes, we don't talk about 2015. Come on now. And even the 16 draft? Uh, we, like, don't talk, we don't talk about such things. We don't. I mean, the, the 15 draft was an utter disaster for the Boston Bruins. You think? No. 16 draft. You can make a strong case 
for taking Charlie McAvoy if you really, really want to. Well, but Tage Thompson went in that draft. Yep. Um, a little bit later. Yep. Um, who else went uh, in the next round? Um, Jordan Cairo went in that round in that draft. I know you're not the biggest fan, but is still a very good player of, of, of Mr. Cairo. Yeah, I, I, I'm. It's gonna it's gonna so, take me a little bit to warm to that. Yeah. Oh wait, second, wait. We it, we could have. Oh, we haven't got to the third round yet. Okay. I'll, second I'll round, they took Ryan Lindgren, who ended up elsewhere. Thanks. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing in the the the. The big, he's playing in the Big Apple now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have had I don't know Adam Fox instead. That would be the third rounder that I was going to mention. Yeah. It, you know, winning when, that he won that kind of Norris Trophy thing where the best defenseman in the NHL. No. Yeah, he went 15 picks later, but uh, third round, third round, third round. Boston didn't have a pick. Fourth round in 16. Oh, look, I don't believe Boston had a pick. Uh, fifth round, Boston took Yona Kapanen, who played five NHL games, and Cameron Clark, who was basically never seen again. Um, uh-huh. They could have had Brandon Hagel with either of those picks. It wasn't or Jesper just- Bratt with either of those picks. Yeah. Um, they took Oscar Steen in the sixth round. I get why they took him. He seems to have the tools. He hasn't been able to put it together. He had seven points in 26 games. Let's not. I mean, it, I realize it's slightly. It's about 28%. Not quite 30%, but. And this. And I mean, this is a draft where. A very high percentage at 52.6 have played in the NHL. There should have been. Uh, I, I I know you. I know you. I know, I know that the, the the whole Tage Thompson thing bothers you. So, like Tage Thompson and Adam Fox both yep. went in this draft, both missed. Jesper Bratt missed. If you had any one of those three players over the guys that they took in the 16, I mean, there's no way that you can tell me that Jesper Bratt and um, and Tage Thompson aren't a better fit for the or better add to this team than Charlie McAvoy. Yes, they had Trent Frederick. And I think as much as I as much as I am probably Trent Frederick's biggest fan, I'm not sure if we were redrafting, he would be a first round pick. Probably not. And I'm pretty sure we mentioned we said who when Trent was taken in the first round. Yeah, I don't I don't remember seeing too much about him at the time. Oh, hey, some guy named Debrinkit. 
went in the second round? Sorry, I'm not trying. I'm not helping. No, you're not. You're not. You're really, really not. Okay. So when we talk about prospect pool rankings and how I flat out agree that they are the worst in the league, it's because I read at least two draft guides every year, at least two. Yeah. And I hold on to them. And I follow all sorts of prospect people on on Twitter. And I pay attention to the rankings all year long. Do we talk about it on every show? No, because not everyone's listed it, interested in prospects all the time. And if you are, you're already listening to a prospect show. This is a general hockey show um, because we love hockey, period. But even, even as strongly as Pasternak performs at times, and there's a and you had that Twitter question uh, that popped up just after we hit after we uh, ended the recording last week. Who would you rather have as your right wing man? Nikita Kucherev, Mika Rantanen, David Pasternak or Mitch Marner? I know who my pick is. I know who my second pick is. Uh, the two guys I left off that list gonna make me unpopular in two big cities. Really? Yes. Because I'm picking Miko Rantanen and Nikita Kucherov in that order. Interesting. Why? Miko Rantanen has been there and done that and won a cup and is the youngest of the four. Okay. Nikita Kucherov has been there and done that a couple of times and is, but he's also the oldest of the four by more than a couple of years. David Pasternak's playoff performances. Not impressed. Not really. And I agree. I mean, I did say at the time, Mitch Marner, I just think that, uh, watching him, we know how I feel. I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. You watch him in Toronto. He's he's Evgeny Malkin to Austin Matthews. He makes Austin Matthews better. Yes. Uh, Evgeny I mean, Malkin makes being- Sidney Crosby better. The difference there being that, you know, Marner plays with Matthews way more often than uh, than Malkin plays with Crosby. Um, a better comparison or a more interesting comparison might be Backstrom to uh, Ovi uh, or Ovi to Backstrom, whichever way you want to think of it. Okay. But the point is. As much as Austin Matthews and he just signed the deal and we just talked about him and he scores the goals, he does it. I don't think he's as good a complete player as Marner is. No, I don't think so either. Um, And I will say that I think both of them are better complete players than they were three years ago. 
but if I had my choice between the two, I would take Marner. And in this list, Kucherov, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm. I, I like a healthy Kucherov. I like a that. That's. I think that's what's holding me up. Is I like a healthy Kucherov. Pasternak. I don't like playoff Pasternak. At least not yet. If he can change his mindset, change his uh, how he performs, whatever, and be responsible. Well, there's a thought. Yeah. Consistent. So the only, I mean, yeah, I, my first choice would probably be Marner, and my second choice would definitely be Rantham. And I mean, watching him play is just ridiculous. Uh, what he had to do when they didn't have this past season, they didn't have uh, the captain. Landis Gog. Landis Gog, thank you. They didn't have McKinnon for a bit. Uh, they they were kind of shredded up front, and he held it together. Uh, I mean, his he has the ability to be dominant. So, yes, I like Rantanen. So my choices would be Marner 1, Rantanen 2. Um, and I can live with that. I mean, I don't think it's it's not an easy call. No, and and, and that's I mean it, these are, these are tweeted out by the NHL or axed out or whatever they call themselves this week. Um, but this one actually made me think. Some of the the ones that they send out, it's like uh, duh. Some of them, I think, are literally just intended to make people swear at them. But this one actually made me stop and think because I looked at it and I went, I've already ruled out one of the guys on the left. And I really like the two guys on the right. It actually made me stop and think. That's why I pulled this one in particular, because it's not like me to just pull somebody else's little question and, and go with it. But this one here really intrigued me because solid choices, regular season, especially if you include pasta. But uh, and there's one, and there's the only two guys on this list that have won that have won a Stanley Cup. The other one's been to the final. Whether you blame him or not for how the, the outcome, but and, uh, I can't. I don't blame Pasternak for the outcome of in nineteen. No, we put, we have we have other people to blame for that. We. Uh, Go ahead. You can we've say discussed it. it before. So yeah. we're going to jump to another question asked by someone else or sure. posit- another point posited by someone else. Okay. Drew Livingstone uh, posted top five all-around defensemen in the NHL. And his list, in order, is Makar, Hedman, Heiskanen, Dallin, uh, Dallin, and McAvoy. Mm-hmm. When you get up off the floor, when you stop swearing enough to hear my voice again, um, rewind, uh, rewind is, and start playing. Wait, no. Who is Drew Livingstone? Um, someone with a Twitter account that he paid for. Um, he is. Uh, he works for, or he used to work for Sportsnet. Um, he works for SPN Sports. 
used to. Okay. Yeah. That might make that might make more sense than it seems. And I'm sorry, but any list that leaves Adam Box and <laughs> Roman Yossi, Roman Yossi, off the top five, is automatically invalid. Yes, especially when any you include Darlene and McAvoy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next. And the fact that like Jacob Slavin is left off and Drew Doughty is left off and I, look, I'll I'll go I'll say it. You left like Hampus Lindholm off. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. Uh, for that matter, you know, uh, people are have been down on them because the team didn't do well last year. But I still like Pelic and Pollock. I think they're very, very solid two-way defensemen. If I if I could swing away to swipe both of them off of the Islanders as a as an NHL GM, I would do it in a skinny minute. You got a right defenseman, left defenseman, total of like. Under twelve million dollars in contract in contact uh, contract money. I guess what my 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 coworker and I are trying to say is, um, yeah, there are better choices than McAvoy and Darlene. Particularly as all around defensemen, and the fact that John Carlson isn't mentioned at all is literally criminal. He never gets mentioned ever. Literally criminal. Um, never. That's like, just literally just lose your Twitter handle. You don't need it anymore. And it, and it says at the bottom, and he write this Drew writes to the hard leaving Slavin, Yossi, and Fox off. But that's how it shakes out for me. Well, clearly you're not a hockey fan. Do you clearly. only watch like five teams? I mean, yeah. And. How do you leave? First of all, Roman Yossi and Adam Fox have. Oh wait, haven't they won that that trophy thing? I think I talked about him a few minutes ago. Didn't they win that trophy thing they give to the best defenseman? Yeah. Uh, has McAvoy won that? Uh, wait, no. Has Dolly? Uh, no. Has High even Heiskinen? Uh, no. I'm willing to leave Heiskanen up there because my first thought on him was that uh, he's he's a younger, stronger, faster John Klingberg, but he's actually improved his game defensively. If you watch Dallas, he has improved. I'm not saying he's the best uh, defensive defense. You know, he has improved his defensive game. I'm willing to let him move down, slide him down to like fifth. But how do you not have Roman Yossi on this list, like right underneath Victor Hedman uh, uh, and, and and Adam Fox? How do you not have him anywhere on this list? I, I, this Drew Livingstone is is uh, frustrating me. Uh, underappreciative of the sport as a whole. <sighs> underappreciative of something. Good defense. I'm thinking. Um, even even allowing for the fact that he was on a very not good Nashville team last year. 
I'm putting Ryan McDonough ahead of <laughs> McAvoy as an all-around defenseman because he is far and away better defensively. I'll give than you McAvoy that. Is. I'll give you that. I just McAvoy is not making every you know, everybody talks about McAvoy and, and this. And McAvoy is not. My biggest thing with him is that he's not learning from his mistakes. I see him making the same mistakes multiple times, and and that was one of the things that. I had heard when he was coming out of school and when he was, you know, first, second year with the Bruins was that, oh, he learns from his mistakes. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. He he recognizes, but he's not. Maybe he stopped recognizing them when he signed his contract with the NHL. Uh, I don't know. That's a thought. Okay. I'll be willing to give that one a thought. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But yeah, top five defense. Sorry, Drew, you're 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 not selling me on this one, and you need to turn in your hockey fan card immediately. Yeah. Um, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Let's uh, just stream on by that one. A <laughs> um, little bit of bad news here. A little bit of sad news, I should. Oh, 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 streaming. I didn't pick up on the queue. Okay. Oh, I'm slow on the uptake today. I'm still not feeling, I'm still under the weather. Yep. All right, let's stream on by. uh, Reported, is reporting that the Golden Knights have signed a new streaming deal um, with a company who has a decent number of clients. Uh, I've never... I honestly can say that I have not seen the name Viewlift uh, very many times. Um, can I say I've never heard of it? Oh, you're allowed to say you've never heard of it because honestly, cool. they're not a big company cool. or never not a big it. name. But they are apparently the solution that they're an end-to-end video platform, uh, according to their website, to power your live video on demand and 24 seven linear streaming business. Um, their clients include the NHL M Sportsnet, uh, live golf, uh, the Washington capitals, rugby pass here, TV, um, NBC universal and a couple of others. Um, Ted Leonsis happens to be one of the people behind the company. He is, as you all know, the, uh, principal owner for the Washington Capitals um, and I believe the Wizards as well. Um, And the WNBA's Mystics. WNBA's Mystics. Um, And as part of his media empire, he is now responsible for streaming uh, the streaming service for the Golden Knights. I mean, uh, for the Golden Knights in terms of leverage, this this deal coming up it comes up at the perfect time um, because it gives them the opportunity as the Stanley Cup champions to say, look, we're going nowhere. Uh, we're at the top. Our our fan base is going to keep growing. We've been we've had a rabid fan base since we started. Went to the Cup finals twice. Came home with the big thing. Uh, no, actually, they've been. Is it once or twice? They've been to the final twice. They won once. They won once. Okay, I thought so. Uh, it's, they lost. They lost. They lost to Ted Leonsis and the Capitals back in 2017, 18. 
19, somewhere in there, um, five, five years ago. And I think, I mean, anything that gets hockey into in front of more eyeballs is probably a good thing. Um, uh, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, I think that Vegas, Vegas fans absolutely deserve to be able to watch their team. Period. I think it's. I think it's. A, my only concern is that an owner of the NHL is now providing streaming services for teams in the NHL. Is it a good look? Uh, are the optics what they want? What? I mean, he's not the CEO, so he's probably not involved in daily. Okay. Um, but you know what? You could make a, you could make a similar argument for uh, for Jeremy Jacobs with True North being involved in the food service um, and administrative for multiple yeah. arenas. Okay. Fair enough. The I mean. People who operate at this level have wide, wide, wide networks of income. And that's why. I mean, I'm I'm glad that the Golden Knights have have managed to uh, increase their visibility. Uh, they were having issues with was it RCN? RCN, yes, that's their former provider. So. Hey, more power to them. As as Stanley Cup champs, you get them in front of eyeballs. That's gonna that's gonna bring people in. I say stream it into the hotel rooms. Literally, I don't know why hotels make it so hard for people to watch the content they want to watch. Thank you very much. Yes, I just soapbox. Put away. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I walk in and, and no hotel in Boston or anywhere else ever offers any way to watch hockey. It's gross. Um, it's, it's awful. <laughs> but that might be changing. Partly okay. because uh, the mouse might be giving up part of its house. The mouse. What's the mouse doing now? Disney, who owns the four-letter network ESPN, um, has uh, been listening to interested uh, interested parties regarding uh, potentially selling ESPN. Um, this is enormous, and honestly, I find why this, they- deal, this or I find the potential bidders in this way more interesting and concerning at the same time um, than than a deal by uh, Viewlift um, and an NHL team. Well, this this holds the I mean, this holds the this holds the the, the NHL contract in its uh, in in some kind of limbo. I mean. They've got what a seven-year, eight-year deal with the NHL. Yeah, but they also carry the other big, the big, the, the rest of the big four as well. Um, the big, the newest name added to the list of potential buyers is Amazon. No, <laughs> they they already well, I don't know if they still do, but 
off and on the last few years, they've been streaming Thursday night football. So yes, they have. It would not surprise me. Uh, who is it? Larry? Uh, is it Bezos? Owns Amazon. Bezos has been out for a little while. I cannot remember who the current CEO of uh, Amazon is, and it almost doesn't matter. Of the because among the other parties interested besides Amazon and Verizon are the big three leagues, um, the NFL, the NBA, and MLB. Um, of the four, of those five companies, I think that Amazon is the most likely to be a neutral party and give everyone a reasonable shot. I also think that Let's face it, the mouse have been the mouse in a lot of ways has been the purity police and the everything must be G to PG rating folks. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe, maybe, maybe Amazon purchasing them might give a little more license to the more physical aspects of hockey that many of us prefer. <laughs> They're not, um, you can't. I. I, I don't. I, I. still understand last week's story with the queue. So. <laughs> yeah, that. That. Okay. Um, I think that. I think that Verizon is probably the second least scary uh, option in terms of co- hockey coverage, because I think if the NFL or the NBA or the MLB, I mean MLB, at least there's already cooperation because. There's a lot of shared personnel between the MLB network and the NHL network because they really don't have seasonal overlap to any serious extent. But the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, they're all winter sports. They're if you're the NHL, if you're the NFL, which makes more money than any of the other three by far. How are you not going to put yourself first? If you're same thing, same question for the NBA and MLB, you know, they've been shrinking in terms of audience for decades. Uh, If they have, they suddenly own the big network. All I see is all I see is. And first of all, NHL not mentioned MLB, NFL, NBA. So three out of the big four sports in America are interest uh, are showing interest. The NHL um, doesn't have the the NHL as a owner terrible. of ESPN is probably worse than turning it over to oh no uh, the the folks running um, the Christmas tree shops or formally nearly formally running the Christmas tree shops which are going out of business. I. I see that. I don't know. I, I'm just envisioning like three brothers sitting there fighting over. No, I, no, we're going to do my way. No, we're going to do it my way. No, <laughs> even if you give them an equal amount of ESPN and it's only it said they're selling off part of ESPN. You know, he's interested in, in strategic partnerships. So say for the lack of for ease of math. They they're willing to part with 21 percent of ESPN 
you give MLB, NBA, and and NFL 7% apiece. So none of them has more than the other. But you're still dealing with, no, we got to show my game at this time slot. No, we got to show my game at this time. uh, No, do not let the network, do not let the sports leagues get involved in this. As I said, I think the least bad option here is Amazon. I I Um, would be inclined to agree on that one, yes. uh, Particularly if they end up just biting off the whole chunk. And ESPN is totally in control of one of the others, which is how these deals tend to happen. I mean, Disney purchased part of Fox, and then they purchased another part of Fox, and then they purchased another part of Fox. Um, Same thing with Hulu. Uh, these deals tend to be, oh, well, we don't have complete control. Do you want to give us more money? Do you want to give us more money? And the answer tends to be yes, a pretty high percentage of the time. Um, (laughs) We have this in the first column, and I definitely wanted to talk about it, so we're going to dive into it now. Sweet. Um. The NHL is looking to get into uh, and back into more international play. Um, When we see stuff like this, I am always fascinated by what names are attached to it. When the NHL finally makes big statements on a topic, any topic. gives you a sense of direction like if it's a very much in the now thing it's almost always the NHL commissioner if it's anything leaning two or three years out I think it's the next NHL commissioner Bill Daly are you um, sure so he's going to be the next commissioner I, I I fairly firmly have the belief that he's going to be the next NHL commissioner unless Gary Bettman holds on for another five or ten years. Um, Gary Bettman's holding on as long as he can. Sorry. Um, But they're looking to get into the Olympics and international hockey tournaments. Um, Again, I'm not 100 percent. They need to get back to amateur tournaments to be amateur tournaments. But I think that's an error gone by. Well, there was the time where the Olympics was supposed to be an amateur tournament. So. And then Um, it all changed. But if they're going to if now they allow professionals into the Olympics, they've been doing it for decades. But. The NHL needs to get back into the Olympics. This whole thing of Gary Bettman not allowing NHL players to play in the Olympics and represent their home countries is absolute crap. I understand he's trying to protect his interest because the players could get hurt. I understand that it's two weeks off in the middle of the season, and that means there's no money coming in. The exposure of being on a world stage representing their home countries and the pride that goes into that, I believe outweighs 
what they're losing out on. And for that matter, I think that there's ways to do it that make the NHL product look better. I firmly believe that when the when the NHL shuts down its regular rosters for these tournaments, and at present the speculation from Daly is a 2025 international tournament, 2026 Olympics, 2028 World Cup of Hockey, 30 Olympics, 32 World Cup of Hockey, and so on. That's the goal, regularity. That in those same years, right at home, you turn the eye, you make sure that the scheduling doesn't conflict with the international tournament in terms of what's going to be on TV when. But you have an international, you have inter, you have tournaments displaying the prospect pools of the of the various NHL teams. You have them coached by NHL players, and you get two or three NHL players injured or recently retired or aiming towards retirement in the next two or three years who are well-known personalities to do most of the coverage for both the local tournament and then coverage of the games over wherever the Olympics or the international tournament is. Because let's face it, if Brad Marchand or Morgan Geeky is the guy holding the microphone and goes up to and goes into the locker room for Team Canada and playing in Czechoslovakia or Brazil or wherever the Winter Olympics are that year, they're going to get better stories and be more engaging than most of the people holding a microphone now. And they're probably going to have fun doing it. What I don't understand is they want to they want to have their own or can create their own international tournament as well. You know what? If they create their own international tournament, I think that's even better um, in some ways, because I think it's going to. I think it it becomes less about the players versus the NHL and more co-op and more collaborative. Okay. Um. Well- what internet? I mean, you've got so many international tournaments as it is. You've got World Cup of Hockey. You've got uh, World World Championship. The yeah, IHF. Those are all controlled got, by other organizations. If the other organizations are controlling them, you can't control the date. You can't control the place. You don't have prime access to uh, to media uh, to media rights, and you also not control the money. You also don't control the money. Aha! I wish we had a bell sound. I would ring it. <laughs> um, and I, I genuinely believe that I think that this is one of the ways that the that the league can grow. Um, because you know what, going and playing an indoor game uh, at the Tokyo Dome. Going and playing in Sydney Harbor. Going and playing, you know, in uh, in Brazil and having some of Brazil's biggest stuff, 
biggest soccer stars present and a part of the festivities? I mean, you don't have to sell me on this. I'm. We've said on this show. I've said on, that you need to grow the game. You need to get more eyes on the sport. We need to get more fans. They need to expand their horizons. We've said it all. So you don't have to sell me on it. I'm just. I was just curious as to why suddenly what desiring to create your own tournament and. I, it's about control. It's about money. It's it's always about money. Okay. Um, I hope we do see it. Um, whether they create their own or they simply buy the rights to the World Cup of Hockey. Um, I not, don't think they do that. I'm not sure I care. All I care about is getting to see as much good hockey as possible. Yes. <laughs> like, that's it. I mean, the only thing that probably that might stand that, well, it's not a major concern at this point, but it's a theoretical concern going down, you know, five, eight, five, ten years out. Mm-hmm. Is is there going to be a women's component to it? Given the upheaval with the hostile takeover of the PHF earlier this year, I don't know what sort of relationship the new as yet unnamed women's league um, is going to have with the NHL. And if it's not a congenial relationship... Um, I don't see that as being good for either long term, but it will definitely be worse for women's hockey. They need to figure out what to call them. Uh, uh, yeah. 20. I mean, basic marketing says you need to have a name and you need to have a name that people are going to remember. Sounds catchy. And they're not going to make fun of. Do they actually teach that in basic marketing? Um, I think it's one of those things you're expected to know walking ah, in. Ah, okay. Just like you're expected to be able to tie, tie your own and shoes when you oh, walk Oh, wow, we are on the same wavelength. I was going to say the same thing. Mm. Um, one of the uh, two uh, – I only have two more things that uh, I think we need to talk – well, three more things, actually. Calder. Okay. Um, the Calder Trophy for best um, okay. this one best rookie way. is one of the most fascinating to watch each year. This is one of those way too early predictions. Way too early because okay. we don't even know if all of these players will actually be in the NHL this year or be healthy. Mm. Let's see. Than- <laughs> uh, Okay, so what are the chances Connor Bedard doesn't lace him up? Mm-hmm. I, look, I, he just, I think he just turned 18 a couple of weeks back when he signed his contract. Okay. He seems pretty level-headed, but he's also 18. Yeah. He may well have gone and done something silly, whether it was not working out, working out too much or something else moderately reckless and not be in shape for camp. 
it's ah, it's an do interesting I list. That to happen? No. But it, go ahead. It's an interesting list. It's an interesting list. Um, I think that some guys automatically have a steep hill to climb. Luke Hughes is a defenseman. His brothers are more famous. Um, Shane Wright didn't go first overall. And yeah, but I still like him. And I think that people have already sort of forgotten about him. Probably. He's also playing in Seattle. It's the newest market. It's not going to get the same coverage as Chicago and even New Jersey. They just had a Calder Trophy winner. So does that play against him as well? I don't know. Maddie Maddie Beniers just won the Calder. I mean. So does that play against him? Will they give a Will they give a team two rookies of the year in a row? I I don't know. I'm not saying they won't. I think it. Unfortunately, I think it is going to work against him. Luke you know, is not based purely on the city he's playing in. Yeah. I think that Matthew Nyes uh, might be too low on the list. He's in the biggest hockey market in the league. And he's gonna I mean, there's so much media coverage of everything that happens there. I see. I don't think he's too low on the list. Uh, people are going to be talking about him on the t- on news on the news on Twitter every day. But if he doesn't have numbers, he's still not going to win the Calder. I I, I mean I struggle. Unfortunately, I str- That's why I struggle with them giving it to a Luke Hughes unless Luke turns into an offensive defenseman. Because unfortunately, Calder Trophy like the Norris like. Like the heart is more about what numbers you have rather than the actual design and the idea of the uh, of the trophy. It's you have to put up numbers or you're not considered an MVP. It, what about the intangibles? The intangibles don't seem to get weighed in. Devin Levy is or Devin Levi. I don't know how he wants to pronounce this week. Uh, Watched him at Northeastern, uh, following up, you know, Caden, Caden Primo, uh, but watching Devin Levi, really good goaltender. Uh, he's going to have a tough time of it in Buffalo. Uh, I think that they are better now. If he was there two or three years ago, uh, I think that's part of what happened to poor Uko Pekalukanen is that he had no defense in front of him. And by the way, couldn't stay healthy at first. Uh, I don't know. I think Devin Levi might actually be high on this list just because he's a goaltender, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and when you look at, you know, Adam Fantilli, he's him and Luke Evangelista are in two of the smallest markets in terms of media coverage. Mm-hmm. And Fantilli also has, I mean, theoretically, him and David uh, Yersek are probably going to split votes. Yeah, that's the other thing that's going to work against them is that they're on the same team. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, this this po- uh, this tweet or this list came from 
the Hockey Podcast Network uh, at HockeyPodNet. Um, the odds are via DraftKings. Um, and I'll give you the list uh, in order by names. You can look up the odds yourself. Uh, you're all uh, capable. So Connor Bedard, Luke Hughes, Logan Cooley, Adam Fantilli, Devon Levy, Matthew Nyes, David Yurisek, Brant Clark, Shane Wright, and Luke Evangelista. Um, I think it's a pretty fascinating uh, group. You have defensemen, you have forwards, you have a goaltender, um, you have the biggest market in hockey, um, you have the biggest, the second biggest city uh, in the U.S. Um, you have the you have New Jersey, which is right there in the uh, in the uh, tri-state area. You have a team um, that plays. Got, you, have, you have a team that plays in a college in a college arena. Yep. <laughs> Get a home. Yeah. Um, I really want to see. I really think that this is an exciting uh, Calder class. And I have to agree. I think that there's going to be some competition here. This is not going to be in years past. We've seen somewhere it, it, it's a runaway, clearly obvious who's going to win it. You know, there wasn't really much debate. Yeah, the Calder was engraved in September. And I think that this year that might be a little different and it, it's going to be entertaining. Um, entertaining is not one of the words I would have used to describe, uh, this man's career, but, uh, Jonathan Bernier has decided to hang it up after a decade in the NHL. Why would you um, not six- use entertaining? Um, you know what? Four, 400 regular season and playoff games. Um, he was a backup of the Kings. Um, You know what? He played with 160. He won 165 NHL regular season games. Mm-hmm. That's very slightly more than I've ever won. Um, I'm not saying he was God's gift to hockey, but why not entertaining? He was. He was. He had back a few years ago. He was playing for Anaheim, and they were in the playoffs against <clears throat> the Nashville Predators. And this was back when Nashville went to conference final, went to the Stanley Cup final, I believe. Uh, He made the statement that Nashville was one of the scariest places to play in the playoff. They actually, the crowd actually got into his head, the college-like atmosphere. They were actually chanting at him as if when we would attend the bean pot and they start with the whole Bernier, Bernier, it's all your fault. I mean, they were they he admitted that they got in his head and that's why he lost. He lost focus because the crowd got to him. That's how loud it was, that's how raucous it was. I mean, for a goaltender to actually come out and admit it, first of all, I think that's really um gutsy. Not the word I was going to use, but uh, I would just say dumb. Yeah, gutsy, dumb. <laughs> but he, I, I thought he was—he definitely was at his best 
when he was backing up quick in L.A., he managed to use that as a platform to become a starter. I thought as a starter he did a good job. I just he never he never matched the quality that he had when he was backing up. Like the pressure became a little too much. He was I don't good, I but he part wasn't of his pressure. I think part of it is health. Um, I don't think that he is physically constructed to be a number one goaltender. Um, I think that as a backup or even a tandem guy better. I think, yeah, if they were doing, if they were doing what they're doing now in, in hockey with this one, a one B thing, he would be, I think he would be perfect. I think this would suit his style, but they weren't doing that back then. It was, you had a number one, you had a number two, number one played 60 games, 55 to 60 games. Number two played 25, you know, 20 to 25, whatever, 28. And that's the way it was done. If he were playing now with this 1A, 1B system, I think that that would suit him a lot better. I think that his numbers would have been better. And I'm not saying he has terrible numbers. But yes, you are. I heard you say it. I didn't hear me say it, though. Don't worry. It's on the tape. It's on what tape? It's on what tape? Um, and uh, we mentioned, or I don't remember if I mentioned it earlier, but we have a poll set up for the week. Um, the poll will be in the show description uh, or the link to the uh, Twitter poll. Um, how many games will Alex Chason play? Should he make uh, the Bruins roster? Um, poll is 1 to 10, 11 to 25, 26 to 40, or 41 plus uh, for the Boston Bruins next season. A season that just can't get here soon enough. Um, Chris and I will discuss the poll results and our standings on it and him uh, when we get back next week. Chris? Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm counting down. I, I am looking forward to getting some actual hockey on ice. I know we don't get to go to captain's practices or in this area perceived to be captain's practices. Alternate captain's practices. Alternate captain's practice. Okay, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of it. That's a good one. But it, it will be fun. It's It's closing in. We're getting there. Hang in there. Um, oh, last thing before we go, I found it funny. Um, okay. HockeyDB is one of the one of the sites we use for data. I and love thank, them. And thank Super you so Super reliable. <laughs> when I logged uh, when I logged into my computer, opened up HockeyDB this morning, the players trending in the last five minutes were bizarre and fascinating because. The first, I think there's only two players on the list who are actually current players, and everyone else has been gone a while. Some of them didn't play very much or very long. Um, it's it's actually a weird list because there's one, two, three. There's four goaltenders on there, 
and yep. the top the top two are both goaltenders and both played for San Jose. Then you got Landon Ferraro, who I think also played in San Jose. Ken Reggett's on there. Alex Goligoski. Uh, yeah, this is a random list. This is very random. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Mike. This is very random. I don't know what you're searching for, but not my list. That's that's what. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, Ferraro did not, in fact, play for San for San Jose. Has he played on the West? He's played on the West Coast. Was it Anaheim then? He played. Uh, he played in the Western Hockey League for the Red Deer Rebels and the Everett Silvertips. Okay. Uh, he played in the AHL for the Grand Rapids River Wizards. Yeah. The Chicago Wolves and the Iowa Wild. Okay. Um, he played in the NHL for the Detroit Red Wings, the Boston Bruins, and the Minnesota Wild. No, so he hasn't been on the West Coast. I thought he was. <laughs> and amazingly, he has been uh, in Europe uh, for the Berlin Polar Bears, the Frankfurt what... Lions, and the Cologne Sharks um, since last seen in the NHL. Okay. Um, but Landon Ferraro, like Vincent Dampus, I don't remember the last time I heard his name. Ken yeah, Reggett. That, Kenny Reggett. Wow, yeah. I don't remember the last time I heard his name. Um, and the only two guys still in the league on out of these 10 players, Mike Hoffman and Alex Goligoski. Really? Dadnoff doesn't play in the NHL anymore? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Dadnoff does, but um, I – it's been a while. It's a random list. It really is. Marty Turco, isn't he the one that wore the highlighter yellow pads here in Boston? Uh, that was, yeah, you needed sunglasses for those. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Oh, and I do have one more thing. I, I will. I, I do actually have a one more thing. Going back to Jonathan Bernier, career save percentage, 9-12. Aggressively average. Aggressively average the, his year with Anaheim, 9.15 save percentage. Uh, yeah. Aggressively average, unfortunately. Hey, as I said, he won 165 NHL games. That's a couple more than I've won. That's way Ladies, more than I've won. Gentlemen, boys, girls, hockey play-ins of all designations. Have a fantastic week. Uh, We'll be back soon, and hockey will be back uh, not quite soon enough. Take care.